0: When I was a teenager, my grandmother became very sick. She went to the hospital, and of course, my family was very worried. She had existing medical issues, so any hospital visit could have been her last. I remember kneeling beside my bed to pray, which I actually did every night, I was old fashioned, and I prayed for her healing. I knew that God answered prayers, but I also knew I needed to have faith. Now at the time I was a Christian but I didn't really understand faith not quite because I thought that I had to psych myself into a certain state of mind to be believing I had to hold on to this thought that she was healed in my head and any second I felt some kind of doubt I had to psych myself up again no I believe I believed I believe Now, my grandmother did get better and was discharged from the hospital. I know God answered my prayer for her to recover. But all that psyching myself into faith was just nonsense. See, faith isn't merely a state of mind, and it isn't feeling a certain way. You can't muster up faith in your own power. So how does faith actually work? Can someone grow in faith? If faith is a gift from God, are we really supposed to use it? Let's find out what the Bible says. I'm Adam Castellino, and this is the Gospel Talker Podcast. I don't have to tell you, if you read the Bible at all, of course, that faith is necessary if you want to know God. Hebrews literally says without faith it is impossible to please Him. And we should understand that if we expect God to answer our prayers, we must ask in faith. James says this point blank. We have to ask in faith with no doubting. But sometimes we struggle to understand this, or better put, to live this out. As Christians, we know faith is important, but we might have a few beliefs that actually discourage faith rather than encourage it. Some Christians believe God is sovereign, but that sovereignty somehow trumps our requests for help. Yes, you should ask in faith, but God is sovereign, we might say, so he might not answer our request. Or we might think you must only ask for things that are according to God's will, and if you don't, God will not answer you. You've probably heard things like this before in church, and it can create a problem for us when we ask God for help. Of course we know God is sovereign. The Bible says he is Lord, and he is the one who works all things according to his will. But He is also the one calling us to walk in faith, to believe that he will answer our prayers even in the middle of our most challenging problems. Faith is the key to everything. After all, God tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. So if you want to please God... Then you must live by faith. What I find interesting is that Jesus really spoke about God's sovereignty. Yes, God is sovereign, but Jesus never spoke in a way that suggests God's sovereignty negates our faith. In fact, Jesus seemed to place a huge emphasis on faith, to the point where he rebuked Israel for its staggering lack of faith. Luke 7 9 says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus marveled at the faith of a Gentile man, a Roman officer, and said he had greater faith than everyone in Israel. That would include every Jew who knew the law of Moses and professed faith in the one true God. Now, this is hardly the only time Jesus spoke about faith. He frequently chided his disciples for their lack of faith. He often healed people, saying, Your faith has made you well, or according to your faith, let it be done to you. He even said this about what you can do through faith. Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also, if you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea— It will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Nowhere does Jesus ever say, God is sovereign, so you might not receive what you ask for him. Jesus was constantly calling on those who heard him to walk in faith, meaning to walk with confidence that God was going to answer their requests. Again, he teaches in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, "'Ask, and it will be given to you. "'Seek, and you will find. "'Knock, and it will be opened to you. "'For everyone who asks receives, "'and he who seeks finds, "'and to him who knocks, it will be opened. "'Or what man is there among you who, "'if his son asks for bread, he will give him a stone? "'Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? "'If you then, being evil, "'know how to give good gifts to your children?' How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So clearly the people Jesus was speaking to understood sovereignty. They weren't ignorant of God and his character. They have been taught since childhood about God. Yet something was missing. It seems from what we read in the Gospels that these Israelites lacked confidence that God would answer their prayers. And it seems a similar lack of faith exists among Christians today. You know, this passage from Matthew might be rarely taught in some churches these days. We might not hear a lot of pastors teaching their congregations that they need to ask God in faith for what they want and need, and God will give it to them. Could it be that we don't believe God is going to answer our prayers? And if we don't believe, maybe that's why we don't see God move in our lives. Now, some people get scared that I'm bringing this up at all, and they might think, well, if you teach that, that God is always going to answer prayers, it's going to encourage Christians to run out there and ask God for anything, and we can't have that. So are we afraid that Christians will just greedily ask God for the wrong things? Well, of course that might happen, but does that mean we should discourage people from cultivating faith, from having confidence that God is going to answer their prayers? Don't we want a faith that can move mountains? faith that believes God will be for us and not against us? A faith that expects God to do the miraculous among us? Notice that Jesus was never concerned that his listeners would run out and ask God for the wrong things. He never even talks about that. He never says, don't ask God for that, or don't be confident God will answer your prayers. That might make you greedy, He never rebuked anyone for asking him to heal them. No, 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 you should be sick. That's a part of God's plan. And if you ask for healing, you are disobeying God. That never happens. He says the opposite. He rebukes Israel for a lack of faith. And he was so concerned about this that he even ponders if there'd be any faith in the world when he came to enter his kingdom. That's in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes Will he really find faith on the earth? As followers of Jesus Christ, we should take his words in this passage to heart. Instead of closing the door to faith by suggesting God might not answer our prayers, we should be confident that he will. You see, the doctrine of sovereignty was meant to encourage us that God is the one in complete control so that we can go to him confident that he will answer our prayers. Instead, we do the opposite. We say God is sovereign, so we shouldn't ask Him for anything, and that discourages faith. And the Bible is never teaching us not to have faith in God. Now, am I saying we should ask God for anything? Of course. Jesus said that Himself. He said in Matthew twenty-two, "Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive." Now, you might be thinking, "But what if I ask for the wrong thing? What I ask for something God doesn't want to give me?" I believe most Christians are walking around like paupers. They're living so far below what Christ has made available to them that it's heartbreaking. Of course, God does not want us to be greedy, and He certainly doesn't want us to focus on the blessings or material possessions, because that's not faith at all. That's just a form of idolatry, treating things like they were God. But there is only one situation in the Bible where it says God won't answer your prayers. James says this in chapter 4. He explains that when we ask amiss, we don't receive. And he says it's because we're seeking to use what we get on our pleasures, which means sinful desires. So when we're asking God for something by faith, and we may not re- immediately receive an answer, does that mean we're at making a sinful request like James described? Should we be worried that asking for healing or help during a problem is sinful? Let's be really uh, clear here. Asking for help from God is never sinful. When we admit our deficiency, our inability to fix our problems, and acknowledge that God is the one that can help us, we are humbling ourselves. We are admitting we are not God. We do not have the power. We do not have the answer to these issues, but God does. That is faith. That is the very thing God's called us to do. So unless you knowingly have a motive that is sinful, God is going to answer your prayer. But before James gives us that warning, he tells us the other reason we don't get what we want or need. In James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask. See, I think this is the bigger issue with Christians. Yeah, Once in a while, we might have a sinful desire, and we say, God, get that guy. He was mean to me, or something silly. And we know in the moment we say it, that it was wrong and foolish, and we tell God, well, God, I'm sorry, that was a wrong thought. The vast majority of the time, we have real needs and real problems, real questions that we need answers to, and we might tell ourselves, well, God can't answer that, or it's not God's will, or I shouldn't bother him, or something like that. When you have a need or a desire or are facing a problem, are we going to everyone else for the solution before we go to God? Or have we convinced ourselves that, you know, maybe God will help us, but chances are we're on our own? Why do we think this way? Why are we so reluctant to trust that God's going to help us? Well, the reality is it's because we have an enemy who wants to rob us of the joy of our salvation. Okay, if you are a believer in Christ, Satan can't steal away your faith. He can't rob you of salvation, but he can try to discourage you from enjoying all that God has given you, all that Christ died to give you. In reality, this kind of thinking that God may or may not help us, or God just wants us to suffer, or it's wrong to ask him for help out of a trial, that's not coming from God. That's not coming from the Bible. God the Father did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. But we are often discouraged from asking for his help, because we are told that he might not answer our prayers. Like I said, that kind of thinking does not come from God. It's not coming from his spirit. It's a lie that is aimed at quenching our faith. So putting aside this issue of sovereignty, we could look at what it means to live by faith. We know God wants to answer our prayers, but we must ask in faith. But all of us will admit that our faith could be stronger than what it is right now. And we've all had times where it appears like God didn't answer our prayers. So does that mean we didn't have enough faith? Did it mean that God didn't want to answer that prayer? What is really going on? Could there be times when we ask God for something and he says no, and it was you know wrong to ask him for that? Well, strictly from James, that's when we ask for something sinful. Oftentimes, when we're asking something from God and we don't get an immediate answer, it's not because God is simply saying no, and he wants you to suffer or he wants you to be without. There might be other things at work in the situation that we need to be aware of, and that we're going to look at that. In reality, when we're seeking an answer from God, our focus needs to be on Him, a confidence that He's going to provide. That is faith. The Bible says faith is the confidence or substance of things hoped for. So we need to, even in the midst of a difficult situation, we need to be confident that our God loves us, He's providing for us, He's with us, and He will answer our prayer. Now, you might get the wrong impression and think that, oh, it's our faith that makes things happen, and we can, like, pull these levers and get God to do what we want. That's nonsense. God is in control. We are not. We are his children, dependent on him. But he says, as we saw in the Gospels, that he's looking for faith. Simply saying, well, God may or may not help me, you know, that's not faith, because that's not what the Bible says. When we say, I'm going through a trial and it's difficult, and I I don't know what to do, but I know God will deliver me, that's faith. Sometimes when we don't get an immediate answer to prayer, it's not God saying no. Instead, we need to continue to persist in prayer, hitching our faith to what the Word of God says about our situation. Because in time, no matter what the answer is, He's going to answer you. It might not be the way you think he's going to answer you, but he's going to answer you. Now, why am I confident in that? Because that is what the Bible says. It's very tempting to look at a bad circumstance and conclude that God might not help us. We all know people who suffered, and it appeared like they never got help from God. But remember this important thing. We are called to build our faith on God's word, not on what we see in the world. So just because we know someone who struggling in a certain way, and it didn't look like they got help, doesn't mean that maybe God helps, maybe God doesn't. Because we're basing our faith on the inconsistencies of the world. And there are things about those circumstances we don't fully know. But we do know what the Bible says inside and out, right? The Bible says we trust in the Lord, and he's going to help us. It's so absolute that if God's word says one thing, and the entire world says another thing, we believe God. In fact, Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. But it's tempting to believe what our eyes see because it's right there in front of us. Because that's in our nature, in our human nature, that's all we know. I know what it says in my bank account. I know what the doctor said. I know what I'm looking at in my family or at my job. And that is kind of pounding on our brains. And it's hard to look away from those things and say, but God is going to help me. That is why faith is a journey. And that is why the Bible often calls it a trial or a test. There are people who will tell us God won't help us. The world discourages us not to believe in God. But let's think for a second. Who died to save us? The world? Of course not. What about preachers or teachers? As good as they might be, no, they didn't die to save us. Only Christ died to save us. And we see again and again in the Gospels what his will is for those suffering. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. You see, it was Jesus' will to heal this leper. And it is his will to help us when we are suffering. Our faith is built on truths like this. And we must cling to these truths even if the whole world says, you're hopeless. Now in the past, I've made a couple podcasts previously talking about suffering and trial and God's sovereignty in the midst of these things. So I won't rehash all that now, but I'll simply say this. It is not God's will for you to suffer. God is not the author of your suffering. Yes, he allowed it, but only so that you could go to him and seek his help. This is an important thing to remember. Just because God allows something in your life does not mean you know his intentions for that thing. So you could say, well, I got sick, so it must be God's will for me to be sick. Well, you don't know that. There is a difference between a, the will and a plan. So a will is the ultimate goal or intent of someone, in this case, God. When we talk about the Lord's will be done, we're talking about his ultimate purpose in our lives, which is a much bigger plan than the day-to-day situations we find ourselves in. And we know God's will for us or his intent for us is always good. Paul says in Romans 12, it's good, pleasing, and perfect. But the day-to-day circumstances in our life aren't necessarily God's ultimate goal or will for us. They're just things that happen to us that If we trust in God, we know can serve his will. So just because you get sick or something bad happens to you doesn't mean, oh, God's will for me is just to suffer through this problem. And it's wrong for me to ask him for help. Because we know what God's will is for us when we have a problem. It's to go to him for help. It's to go to the throne of grace that we receive help and grace in time of need. It's to know that God is our strength and our fortress a very present help in trouble. So yes, God may allow a difficult situation into your life, but that doesn't mean we can conclude, oh, this means I should just sit and suffer through this, it's a part of God's plan, it's His will, He made me sick, He made me hurting, so it, in fact, if I ask Him to get me out of it, that's somehow sinful. Okay, that's not what the Bible teaches. We hear that trials are tests of faith, right? Well, what does that mean? Well, it means the trial has faith involved. But what, what faith? Are we having faith in the promise that God will give us grace to endure the trial? That's what we often hear from people. Well, God will give you grace through this trial, brother. God will give you grace through this suffering, my sister. But what does that mean? Grace is favor that we don't deserve, but God gives to us because of Jesus. If God is giving us favor during a trial, then we need to ask, well, what is that favor for? What is it actually going to accomplish? Just give me patience to suffer with no hope of relief? Well, that's not favor. Anyone could come alongside you in a problem and go pat you on the back and say, It's okay, friend. You'll make it through. It's all right. That's not what God is doing. He has given us this unmerited favor so that he will grant our request in the midst of a trial. And what should be our request? Well, you could ask God for anything in that trial, my friend. But I strongly encourage you to ask him to deliver you from that trial. Now, we know God will answer it according to his own will. It might be not the way we expect or not in the timeline we're expecting, but he will answer us. He will provide. He promised he will. In fact, trials aren't accomplishing what they're meant to accomplish unless we're looking to God to help us out of the trial. The test of faith comes when we wait for God to answer. By continually turning to God in faith, confident he's going to help us, we grow. So the key to receiving answers from God is our faith. In other words, faith is confidence that God is going to do what he promised to do. And we know what he's promised us to do because it's right there in his word. Our challenge, of course, is learning how to cultivate a lifestyle of faith, of confidence in God. And that's what the Bible calls walking by faith. Faith is not just something we need during trials, of course. Faith is a lifestyle, a lifestyle in which we depend on Christ every day for everything. Trials have value because they're like training sessions to teach us how to put our faith into practice. I have a problem, so now I can turn my eyes off of what the world says, off of what my own mind might be thinking, and to once again turn my eyes on to Jesus and what he says about my problem. But how do we do this? How do we walk by faith and not by sight? We're going to look at this very thing next time. The Gospel Talker podcast is written and produced by Adam Casolino. Visit us online at gospeltalker.substack.com.